I was reading an article about the old three trimmers. I think that project had never really happened. And I know we were talking about <laughs> yeah. cutting room floor. Was that was there ever anything that happened there at all or, or no? With the, I think it was Bruce well, himself and Halford. Well, it's funny. Um, I was just doing an interview the, in the last few months and somebody asked me that question about the three trimmers and they had just they had inter, uh, interviewed uh, Bruce Dickinson and he had a completely different outlook on it than I did. Um, I guess we remember it differently, which is definitely possible um, given the amount of time and experiences we both had. Mm -hmm. um, I remember sitting at an Italian restaurant while we were on tour and uh, uh, God, now I can't remember his name. Uh, oh, uh, Ron Smallwood, the manager for Maiden, asked the waiter to come over and said, what's this music we're listening to? And the waiter said, oh, well, that's the, the three tenors, the, uh, the opera stars. That's a new record. And uh, he stopped for a minute and listened a little longer. And then he stood up with his glass of wine. And he said, I think that, that Rob and, and Bruce and Jeff should form a new project. And we'll call it the three Tremors. What do you think? And we all laughed. And that's pretty much all it was was dinner conversation, you know. <laughs> and just so ha it was coincidental that maybe like a month or two later, uh, both Bruce and I joined Rob on stage at one of his shows in London because we both just happened to be in London at the time, and we sang a song together. So maybe people were putting you know too much into it, you know. But it uh, it never uh, it never happened. <laughs> You know, <laughs> it didn't work. Out, it didn't work out on paper. You know, we couldn't yeah. draw any arrows. You know, where we'd all meet. You know, <laughs> yeah. I think it was the one you love to hate, right? I think it was that I saw the. There's a YouTube. There's a YouTube video of everything, and every time I watched that, I said, "Man, that, that it was pretty awesome. It was a pretty awesome." Yeah, yeah awesome. I don't. I, I barely even remember that. Um, which is, uh, don't ever get old. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> you uh. You did a, not to switch subjects, but you did a killer cover of Neon Knights yeah. on Take Cover. And um, we, we know that, uh, you know, Ronnie was, was part of your life. What, what uh, how much of an influence on you was, was Ronnie James Dio? Oh, tremendous. Yeah, he really shaped my, my opinion uh, about uh, quite a few things, really. You know, first off, he was an incredibly decent human being and very kind, you know, and um, that's a, a wonderful thing that he uh, inadvertently passed off to me. I, I picked up a lot of his, uh, um, I guess, philosophy, you know, on how to navigate through the world, um, how to treat people and uh, how to interact, you know, I guess, with uh, people in the business and fans and, and that kind of thing. He, he was wonderful, just very gifted at remembering people's names that he had met once 10 years prior, you know. He really had a gift with that and uh, treated everybody with, uh, you know, uh, decency and uh, uh, just respect, you know. And I think that 
kind of as a reciprocal thing where you treat people with respect and then you get treated with respect, you know? Um, he had a, a, a really amazing knack of making people feel comfortable around him. You know, he was aware of his impact on people. So he worked to uh, make them feel at home or, or comfortable around him, you know? Uh, funny, kind of a funny story. Uh, he, he was responsible for bringing Queensryche to Europe on our very first tour. Really? And yeah, just uh, brought us on, on um, the big rock tour of Europe and we played like 30 or 40 dates with him. Um, really got our feet wet. And I remember the first day we got on the tour, uh, we showed up at the venue and he met us at the, at the stage and said, welcome, welcome to the tour, shook our hands. He goes, come on upstairs. And so we followed him upstairs and he had this big palatial dressing room and uh, he had like uh, it catered and he loved Indian food. So it was all Indian food laid out, which none of us had ever had. He introduced us to the band. We got on, you know, handshakes and one-on-one -on -one conversation with everybody in the band. Then he brought the whole crew in and introduced us to the crew. So we were on one-on-one -on -one with that. And then we all had dinner and it was all like very festive and cool. And I thought to myself, so this is how it's done. You know, this happens. Wow. Well, that never, ever happened again <laughs> on any tour. <laughs> Most tours, you never, you never see the headliner. You never, you know, they don't move in the same circles and they certainly aren't very open or friendly to you, you know. Yeah. But Ronnie was just a very special man. Working with him too on uh, there were stars, and then I remember the big announcement when he was Doctor X. I said, "This, you know, I think there was a there was a contest or something that went out, and we're going to reveal who is Doctor X." And when, I remember when that announcement uh, happened, I said, "Ronnie James Dio, that's perfect." I mean, so when you performed or worked with them in some capacity, you know, stars and then Doctor X. I mean, what was it like working? You know, two voices on the same tracks. I mean, just amazing. Yeah, well, he was incredibly amazing. Um, I, this was, uh, now I'm going to try to remember the year, which I can't, but we were doing the Operation Minecraft 2 record and I had written this song called The Chase and it required, uh, Dr. X and Nikki, the two characters to sing at each other, basically kind of a standoff feud kind of thing. Right. Um, bare knuckle fighting with words. Right. So, um, uh, Ronnie's voice just came to mind immediately and, uh, I called him up and I said, I got this song. It's for the Operation Minecraft 2 album. And he says, you want me to sing? I go, yeah. And he goes, send it to me. Let me hear it. So I sent it to him. And uh, he wrote back. He goes, okay, let's book a studio time. When do you want it? You know. And uh, it just so happened about a month later, I guess, we were in San Francisco. And so he uh, came up from L.A. And he spent a day with us just, <laughs> I remember <laughs> when we were in, in this recording studio we got them all set up and uh he didn't want to warm up or do anything he just he just kind of yelled at the mic a little bit so he could set some levels and then he just wanted to run the track and he just he, he did like i don't know 10 tracks 10 takes and uh he paused he goes so uh i'm just kind of getting warmed up and uh, I think we should continue on. I just need a cup of tea. Can somebody make me a cup of tea. So went off the mic there and uh, my engineer turned to me and he goes, I can't believe it. We have 10 amazing takes and he wants to do more. I mean, he could stop. He, he could stop after the fourth one. We have this. We have the song. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but he just did that. He just gave us like take after take of amazing 
you know? Yeah. So in a way, I mean, cool as that is, it also creates this huge problem. Like, well, how do you, how do you decide what's great about great? <laughs> you know? How do you judge it? Right. So I mean, it was really difficult that, uh, yeah, he's just a master. He opens his mouth and that voice just happens, you know. <laughs>